The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing, where each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom from the female perspective. Everything from Star Wars, to The Office, to cosplay, to fanfic. It's all right here, so sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. We're continuing our celebration of Supernatural with a discussion about the Jeremy Carver era. And if you don't know, that covered seasons 8 through 11. So this will probably be a pretty lengthy conversation. It may end up being divided into two parts, like our Kripke era episode did, because there is a ton of stuff to discuss. But I'm excited to get to this one. But before I have our panel introduce themselves, just a quick housekeeping note. As you know, we are accepting listener support. You can click the link in the show notes or go to our anchor page and click listener support. And for as little as 99 cents a month to $9.99 a month, you can help the show get better audio equipment, better editing equipment. And from now until the foreseeable future, 50% of whatever you donate to us will be donated to a particular Black Lives Matter organization. So like I said, we'll choose a different one each month. So for the month of November and November 30th, We'll be donating to 5280 Black Lives Matter, which is the local Denver Black Lives Matter organization. Okay, so let me go around and introduce everyone, and they can tell me one thing in pop culture that they're excited about right now. Start with you, Jill. Um, well, hi, I'm Jill. Um, <laughs> um, one thing I'm interested in pop culture right now, I, I think it's supernatural right now. It's kind of the focus with the finale just happening, so... Um, it's pretty much all that's been on my brain for, for a couple weeks now. So, supernatural. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that'll probably be a big consensus for some people. Um, Judy. Yeah, um, I definitely would agree with Jill. It's been all about supernatural the for the last couple of weeks. Although I did take some time um, away from it and watched the um, HBO miniseries Chernobyl, um, and it was fantastic. Um, the tension and the, the story, of course, it's a, you know, true story and everything, but if you haven't watched it, it's just, it's incredible. So I would highly suggest that you learn a little bit about what a disaster it was and what a disaster it could have been. Like it could have made that entire part of the world uninhabitable all the way to, to Germany. Um, if, if a few things weren't done correctly, but yeah, it's, it's a fantastic watch. I highly su suggest it. Yeah. That's been on my to watch list for a long time. I really do need to get to that one. So, so yeah. good. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And then Meg, who has not been on in about 20,000 years. <laughs> I'm telling you, you, you do it on purpose. <laughs> well, she's been busy with her own podcast. That is true. That's been taking up a lot of my time, actually, surprisingly. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm Meg, and other than wearing my supernatural clown makeup for the past couple of weeks, 
Um, I've actually, you know what? It's Christmas movie time. So that's what I've been doing. I've been finding a lot of, I find a lot of comfort in the predictability of like Hallmark Christmas movies and the tropes and all that stuff. And, and it's been a time where I've been needing that kind of comfort. So I've actually been watching Christmas movies since before Halloween. And I'm so mad at myself. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to start doing that soon, too. I love watching those. Shows. I just watched a really cute one. So um, Miracle at the Marigold on Netflix. It's got my fake relationship friends to lovers trope. And I'm just like, yes. And now I'm like wanting to scream at my fic writing friends. But can you just make this with Dean and Cass? <laughs> Because I am garbage. My clown makeup is still on, you guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> Judy, give that a Mine shot. Mine kind of melted. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was going to say you should give that a shot. Write that fic for Meg. There you oh, go. Maybe. Watch the movie. <laughs> Perfect. There you go. And Paula? Um, I'm looking forward to uh, Ready Player Two. The audiobook is coming out in a couple of days, and Will Wheaton is narrating it. And he he narrated the first one, and I was a huge fan of that. You know, fan of Will Wheaton as well. And uh, so I'm looking forward to looking forward to when that comes out, so I can listen to that. So, yeah, I think someone mentioned that on a previous podcast, and like I said, I still haven't seen or listened to Ready Player One. <laughs> Uh, which is shocking because I love 80s stuff. So I, I've got to, yeah. at some point, I'll definitely do that. And yeah, I haven't seen the movie, but but I, I listened to the first audio book. So loved that. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've heard the movie's fun, but I didn't see it. Yeah. But, and this is Aaron. And this is kind of a throwback, a remake of a throwback. There's the new Supermarket Sweep. <laughs> which you can watch. You can, I watch it on Hulu. I don't watch it live. But I loved Supermarket Sweep when I was younger, like the 90s to early 2000s version, it was so much fun. And I always wanted to be on Supermarket Sweep. <laughs> I just wanted to run down the aisles and choose the groceries. Um, and you, and and I can, you and I can do a go on together because I always wanted to be on yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, let's do it, Jill, because it would be so much fun. And it's just, it's just, a, it's just a great throwback, and I think it's really fun to watch right now with everything going on. It's great escapism. Um, it's still cheesy as all get out, but it's, it's still just, it's still just a blast. So um, I don't even, I don't remember what network it's actually on because I just watched it on Hulu. Is it on NBC? I don't know what what station is. I just think about what how different my supermarket sweep. Uh, is now than what it would have been when I was like seven. <laughs> you mean what you like, would go for? What <laughs> I would go for. I'm like, well, now let me think. Booze, obviously, because in Wisconsin, our grocery stores are the liquor stores and like all the meat. <laughs> like, this shit's expensive. <laughs> yeah, well, they always would be like, you know, they pick up the blocks of cheese. They're going for those blocks of cheese, <laughs> expensive blocks of cheese, the diapers. Uh, it's on let ABC, me, by the way. Oh, let okay. me go for Thanks. all this, like, perishable shit. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Okay, well, let's get into our little light discussion that'll probably take 10 minutes um, about Jeremy Carver. And last we left Supernatural when we were covering uh, Sarah Gamble. Of course, it ended with Sam all alone, Kevin kidnapped by Crowley, 
and Dean and Cass in purgatory. And of course, Cass also disappeared uh, right when they first landed there. Um, so we're going to get into that first. I want to talk about purgatory. And of course, season eight opens up with Dean coming back from purgatory and some mysterious guy, Benny, who is a new character helping him get out of purgatory or he actually smuggled him out of purgatory we find out so what are your overall thoughts about the whole purgatory storyline jill uh, i actually really liked purgatory and i wish we had spent more time in purgatory which is a really weird statement to make um, but um, i found it very interesting um and i i kind of would have liked to seen a little more instead of just running and fighting constantly a little more structure to it so that we could have had some stories in purgatory. Um, I, we definitely didn't spend enough time there. Um, I loved Benny. So I thought he was a great character. Um, so yeah, I, th I, I, I think it was squandered. I think we could have had more, more purgatory and I would have been happy with that. Um, but, but I did love it. And I oddly liked the lack of color. You normally think you wouldn't like that, but that odd kind of bluish, grayish tint um, was kind of interesting. Yeah, I, I agree. And Judy? I have to agree. I loved um, Purgatory. The, you know, the action, just this whole different place. Um, although I have to give a, a, a hilarious shout to that, all those flashbacks that happened in, you know, early season eight. Now I can watch and I'm like, okay, I get where they're going with this and everything. They were, they were almost jarring and hilarious when they first happened. I kept having to laugh at, you know, both boys just staring into space for extended amounts of time while remembering either Purgatory or, um, what's her name? Amelia. Uh, yeah, it was that, that always just kind of cracked me up, but yeah, I do love love the Purgatory storyline. Um, in case anybody didn't know from the previous one, I am a DCL shipper, so broke back Purgatory. We loved it. Um, the the that moment when Dean finds Sam, uh, Dean sorry, Dean finds Cass um, by the riverbed and finds out that the whole reason that Cass ran was to protect him. And we get that beautiful hug with like a completely genuinely genuine smile from Dean, which we don't get a lot of those very often. And uh, the peach fuzz. <laughs> so yeah, I, the purgatory was great for us shippers, but I do agree that um, it would have been interesting to see some more, maybe less running and a little more story, but I get that they had to get moving with that and get Dean and, and Sam back together. Cause that's the, the, the core. Yeah. Yeah. And Meg, before you go into the purgatory, because I totally forgot to do this since you haven't <laughs> been on any of the supernatural ones. Um, if you want to just tell everyone how long you've been watching and if you're a Dean Cass or Sam girl. Um, you are actually the one who brought me into Supernatural. I was looking for the tweets that you sent me way back in like 2014 or 15, um, telling me I should watch it. So I've been watching since then, <laughs> since about 2014, 15. Um, I started watching this show because of the angel. 
So I would have to say I'm a cast girl. Uh, with or if it was like my house, I'm a cast girl with Dean Girl Rising. <laughs> like, um, I I think that they're just two of the best characters ever created, and um, this will kind of throw right into my thoughts about Purgatory uh, because I felt like Purgatory was a beautiful time. Um, Character-wise for both of them, I think Dean was very comfortable in Purgatory, and I think it actually was kind of relaxing for him because it was a very clear black and white life, and that has a ways to be very calming and relaxing to you. And I think he's actually said in the show that he missed Purgatory, or he liked it there. Um, as a Destiel shipper, uh, it's basically their honeymoon, and... <laughs> I really, really liked watching that. I really liked um, how much that shifted their dynamic and how much it kind of shaped their relationship kind of beyond purgatory. So I loved it. I absolutely was heartbroken and adored the entire idea that Dean was so upset about Cass not wanting to leave purgatory and feeling like he had to stay there that Dean constructed this entire other narrative in which he failed um, to save Cass, which is heartbreaking. It's absolutely like heartbreaking, but it speaks so much to who both of these characters are and who Dean is especially. Um, so I, I loved it. I could honestly probably do an entire podcast just talking about the purgatory scenes because um, this is my season eight's, one of my favorite seasons and purgatory is like my favorite part of season eight. So like, like I'll play that hug by the river. Like Judy was saying over and over and over again, cause it's just adorable. And, and the, the hurt and the, the, the reconciliation is all there. And that that's, I have to stop because otherwise I won't. So yeah, I love it. <laughs> Judy. Yeah. Just to add to that, the, I pray to you, Cass, every night. Oh, God. And the, uh, right? <laughs> and the, uh, he, he, he could have gotten out of Purgatory much, much sooner, but spent a year there yes. chasing his angel, that all the monsters called it his angel. And he kept asking everybody where the angel was. Oh, my God, my heart. <laughs> like, honestly, I don't know how anyone can question that Dean loves Cass. Like, it's right there. <laughs> it is right there. Yep. Well, and Cass's sacrifice for Dean. You know, Always. Being alone all that time. Yep. Yep. Feelings. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe when we do a follow-up Supernatural episodes, maybe we'll do just a whole episode on Purgatory. Or or you guys can maybe talk about it in our um, other Supernatural episode. Um, and Paula. Um, yeah, I, I really liked Purgatory, too, and agree that we just didn't get enough time there. I mean... <clears throat> You know, just from the from the moment that Dean and Cass got there, you saw these creatures that you've never seen before. You don't know what they were. They were never explained. They could have, you know, they could have done so many things with all these newer creatures that we'd never seen before. Um, <laughs> all of the monsters that Sam and Dean had killed over the years. I mean, there was there's there was so much that they could have done in Purgatory that you know they obviously probably just didn't have time for, but. Uh, yeah, I wish, I wish they had explored it a little bit more, you know, um, I mean, we did get a lot of flashback scenes, but it would have been nice to see more of it. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree completely. I think, you know, honestly, even though I found parts of the trials storyline interesting, it would have been more interesting to just keep the focus on purgatory and just have the whole season be about that, really. Um, it just would have been fascinating just because of all the, yeah, like you said, all the um, monsters they had killed um, coming, you know, having any kind of interaction with that. And it was just so wonderful. It was just such a great storyline um, yeah. from beginning to end. And yeah, I agree. We needed more of it. And, um, you know, Jensen just said in a recent thing that that's his favorite version of Dean is the Dean in Purgatory. And yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's and dirty I, and bloody, and I'm fine. I'm good. It is that. awesome. <laughs> it, is, it is. I agree. I agree. I've read quite a few wonderful, amazing fics about about mm-hmm. that and about mm-hmm. him when he comes back, too. Like a lot of really, you know, yeah, very intense ones. Um, but yeah, I, I loved it. I um, we'll get to him in a second, but I I adore Benny so much. Benny is one of my all time favorite characters. Um, I loved his relationship with Dean. I think he, outside of Cass, I think Benny was the only really true friend to Dean his whole entire life. So I really loved Benny. So seeing that as a Dean girl was absolutely awesome and amazing. Um, And yeah, that's the thing about um, the Jeremy Carver era is it's got three of my favorite Dean storylines with this one. Um, Mark of Cain Dean and Demon Dean. Those are my three favorite Dean storylines. So I have to say that even though there might be little things that Jeremy Carver did that I didn't like, like I didn't like some of season eight towards the end, he still really did these great, great storylines. So I I just want to say that really quickly. But yeah, Purgatory was awesome and we needed like 10 seasons of it. (laughs) And I even wrote in my um, Dean and Therapy Fic. I have a whole thing where he has to go to, a, where his therapist says, go to a calm and soothing place while we talk about this stuff. If you need a safe place, and he goes to purgatory because that's what I thought was so interesting is that it was his, it was his happy place, you know, which you may not think of that, but it was. And part of that I think was because of having Cass there, and I don't know. And part of me thinks it might have been also because he wasn't having to take care of Sam, honestly. <laughs> which again, I'm probably gonna make Sam girls mad, but. <laughs> I see that as part of it. Um, <laughs> oh, Jill, you wanted to add something? Sorry. Yeah, you're saying it. You know, it's his happy place. I think it's also his happy place because, like Meg was saying, it's black and white. He doesn't have to worry about whether he's doing the right thing or whether he's the good guy or the bad guy. It's just kill the monsters. You don't even have to think about it. Mm-hmm. There's no pressure. It's just kill the monsters. Life is good. <laughs> yeah, very, very true. Yeah. And while all this time, while Dean has been in purgatory, Sam hits a dog (laughs) and meets one of the most boring characters this show has ever had, mainly because she wasn't written well, Amelia. And he does this whole thing of leaving hunting. He doesn't return Kevin's calls. He basically does exactly what Dean and Sam said they should do, even though neither one of them usually do that. And he just gave up everything and went into hiding and was his own way of dealing with his trauma. So what did you think when Dean hit a dog, Jill? Or when Sam hit a dog? Um, I actually didn't mind that storyline. What what I disliked about that storyline was the, um, the aftermath of it. 
he took so much crap from Dean about that when Dean did the same thing to Sam. The Dean Dean went off um, and had a life while Sam was in hell. Um, or wasn't in hell because he came out pretty quick, but he thought he was in hell. Um, and then when Sam did the same thing, he took a lot of crap for it. So I'm normally a, you know, a Dean girl, but this was one time where I felt like Dean was wrong in, in being angry over Sam's choice, especially when he was told to do it. They're constantly told, don't make a deal. Don't come find me. Don't just go live your life. Um, so I didn't really mind the storyline. Um, I, I just mostly mind the aftermath of the storyline. Um, you're right. It wasn't a very interesting storyline. <laughs> um, I don't know that we had enough of it, and it wasn't written written overly well. Um, but but it, as a as an idea of Sam going off and doing his own thing and giving getting rid of hunting, I I didn't actually mind it. Um, I did kind of mind that he left uh, Kevin high and dry though. Yeah, and I'm going to defend Dean a second here, which I know is a big surprise. But Dean actually did say that while he was living that apple pie life, he did try and search for ways to get Sam out of the cage. So people forget that all the time. They always say, oh, well, Dean's such a hypocrite because he didn't do that. But he did. He did try and at least, I mean, he was living that apple pie life. But at the same time, he was trying to get Sam out of the cage. So I just I had to throw that in there because... I have to defend him all the time. <laughs> I won't defend him on one thing we're going to talk about um, in season nine, but yeah. <laughs> and Judy. Um, yeah. So talk about the, the, the conflict that was created there between um, Sam and Dean because of that. First of all, I, I think that although purgatory was pure, I also think running for your life 24 seven for a solid year, gave Dean, some major like PTSD when he got back. And I think he took out on, on Sam, which let's admit he always does. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, the whole Amelia thing, uh, I agree. She was, she was not well-written. Um, but I have to defend Sam in that um, one that, yeah, they, they agreed to do that. And two, Sam had no idea where to even start looking. Crowley was gone in, in the wind. Kevin was gone in the wind. They had never even heard about purgatory. They didn't know that's where monsters went. For all he knew, they were, Cass and, and Dean were gone to heaven. Like he, he had nowhere to even begin. So I, I kind of get, you know, um, get Sam. And I know people get very angry at him for that, but uh, I'm not. I'm not too mad at him um, for not looking. I mean, I guess he could have like summoned Crowley and being like, you know, where'd he go? But Crowley wouldn't have told him the truth. So yeah, I, I, but I have to agree with Jill that God, the, the fallout just went on too long. You know what I mean? I could, I could have seen a little bit of a little bit of it, but it, it just seemed to go on too long for me. Yeah. And Meg, um, as far as the fallout goes, just a quick thing. I think a lot of it, kind of the fallout from that, bled into some of the tension that they had with the trials, and I feel like a lot of that kind of just bled together, so it felt a lot longer. Um, personally, 
uh, Amelia was wet cardboard to me. So I just, I did not like the Sam hitting a dog storyline and not because I thought Sam was an asshole or anything like that. I thought it was kind of shady that he didn't even like try or, but that was something that they'd always talked about. And, and Dean would never be able to actually live up to that bargain. He could never not look for Sam ever. That's just who he is as a person. Um, Sam would not, if it weren't for Dean, Sam would not be hunting. (laughs) Like, if Dean is gone, Sam doesn't hunt. Sam is hunting because he's with his brother. So I thought it was really interesting. And we talked about, uh, Jill talked about um, when Dean was living his apple pie life or whatever. And I thought it was so interesting, the contrast between um, the two. Because Dean was clearly not happy in a domestic life. It felt like that whole bit felt 100% like he was going through the motions um, and doing what he thought he should be doing. And it never sat right. Sam living that kind of life 100% feels right for Sam. Um, Personally, as someone who loves Dean, um, I thought it was bullshit that he didn't look for his brother at all. But that's coming from my own personal point of view, not from where Sam's coming from. In Sam's point of view, they made a deal. They decided that they weren't going to do any more big, heroic, self-sacrificing gestures to get each other. Uh, And just because Dean is incapable of, of letting Sammy go at this point in the show doesn't mean Sam is isn't capable as well and that's a credit to how dean raised sam if, in my opinion like i hated the storyline i hate to like give credit to anything that has amelia in it because she's just so boring but like objectively that's kind of where i sit with it judy i gotta tell you when it was airing live she was so boring i thought this can't be real I kept thinking those flashbacks <laughs> were like some kind of in Sam's imagination. Like I really didn't think she was real. Evan, yeah, she was. <laughs> like even even when Cass was Emmanuel, Daphne was a more interesting character for the 15 seconds she was on the TV than Amelia was. Like I think so with our podcast, we we do Bedwetter Behead and one of the pairings we were going to do was going to have, I think I wrote it down initially, it was going to be like Benny, Joe, and then Lisa's or Amelia's dog because Amelia herself was too boring to put on the show. We didn't do that because it's a dog. Gross. But it was a fun joke. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Yeah. And and I think there are some fan theories out there that she isn't real, that that was all in his head and that it was part of his um, grief process. Um, Paula, what are your thoughts? Yeah, there there was a a really good one that um, had some really good points about how Amelia was uh, something that Sam made up to cope with Dean's loss. And that's what I choose to believe. (laughs) But um I think I would have been better with that particular storyline if maybe it was a different actress because there was just no chemistry between those two. And she wasn't very well written. Um, 
um, I, I do have to disagree with um, the fact that Sam didn't know anything about purgatory because they had established that um, when they first found out about the Leviathans that that's where um, at least the Leviathans were. Uh, maybe not the rest of the monsters, but but they knew that they knew that the Leviathan were from Purgatory. So, and and it seemed a little inconsistent that you know when when Dean went to hell, Sam did everything he could, even though he failed to try to bring him back. And then in later seasons, especially like season ten, when Dean becomes a demon, Sam went to extreme lengths to try to get Dean back. But in this particular instance, nothing. And I have a hard time with that particular aspect of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it, it kind of, it's kind of harkens back to, like I said, when we were talking about Kripke and I know a lot of people like Sam and Jess, but one reason, one of the reasons that I didn't get into Sam right away. Um, and of course I still have issues with him is I found his storyline with Jess to be so much like a teen drama show that it felt kind of out of place. And even though they aren't teenagers, this storyline felt the same way. Like it was out of a nighttime soap or out of a nighttime drama, something like that. So it felt so out of place. And she was so poorly written. I mean, she really didn't have very much characterization at all. I mean, yeah, she lost her husband and then her husband isn't really dead. And you can see how that's supposed to be paralleling his loss. But it just it just didn't fit. And yeah, I agree. If Dean isn't around, then Sam wouldn't be hunting. And Sam, you know, is the one that got Dean into hunting, got him back into that and all of that. Um, but it, it just, it was just so boring, especially when you would see any kind of flashbacks to Purgatory. It was like seeing those two, it was just like, it was like, and even the lighting around <laughs> around them would be like you know like a romance novel or something that's why i thought it was fake like she yeah being like fuzzy yeah <laughs> what's happening here yeah they they did so much to tell you that sam is happy and in love that was just it was kind of it was bizarre i actually had not heard the theory that that was uh could be all in sam's head as a grieving process and i find that much more interesting than the actual character of amelia um and honestly i would have enjoyed it probably more if it would just been sam talking to amelia's dad the whole time <laughs> because i actually liked amelia's dad he was kind of an asshole but as a parent, I can't really be like, how dare you when I just, it's a, it's a mess. I would, I would have loved to hang out with, with Amelia's dad without Amelia or Sam, honestly. Funny, or Sam. <laughs> Judy, were you going to add something on there? I just have to do, give one prop to that storyline that did give us glorious, soft season eight Sam hair. <laughs> the best Sam hair of the entire series was long season eight with him just being soft in single layers, you know. Oh my god, bring it. <laughs> Meg. Well, the other thing that it brought us was the beautiful, like season long gag of everyone being like, You hit a dog and stopped? Why? Like that was that was probably one of my favorite Meg 
lines <laughs> later. Um, and yeah, that's all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, let's move on to Benny. I want to talk about Benny because Benny caused a lot of friction between Sam and Dean and a little bit between Dean and Cass, too, you could say. More so, though, with uh, Sam and Dean. So let's talk about Benny. What are your overall thoughts on Benny, Jill? I loved Benny. Um, We got Benny for way too short of a period of time. And I never really understood Sam's problem with him. I don't know, the, if, unless I forgot, I don't feel like we ever got a real reason um, why Sam disliked him so much. Uh, Jealousy. He, well, yeah. <laughs> but, he, I mean, he helped save his brother. Um, you think that would win him some points? Sam was always very much the monsters don't have to be monsters guy. He always believed in everyone. Didn't believe in Benny. Um he kind of took the the dean role of you know monsters are bad um and then dean kind of took the sam role on benny and so i always found that odd that he had such a hatred for benny and he kind of had it out for benny um i loved benny i would have loved for him to be around longer i think he could have fit in very well as a reoccurring character that showed up from time to time to help them out um I think he had a lot of potential and um, I was really sorry to see him go so quickly. Yep. Yep. And um, Judy. I And, and he's adorable by the way. So sorry. <laughs> I actually on the first watch didn't like Benny. Um, I don't, I know I, I'm getting on. You guys are all giving me these shocked faces. <laughs> um, I don't know why I, I, Honestly, I sometimes get like feelings about people and I think it might have been Ty, uh, you know, because I had the same kind of feeling about uh, jerk face from I can't remember what season he was, the, the army guy, whatever. Um, Cole. Yes, Cole. Cole, thank you. And I just I think I I think maybe it was the actor, but I didn't I didn't like him at first. Um, but upon second watch. I definitely developed a, an appreciation for him and have even written him into fix um, because he became another friend for Dean and, and Dean is a person who needs that. Um, not that, you know, I, I've said it before. I think everybody on the show that Dean interacts with falls in love with him a little bit. Yeah. But um, Dean doesn't always know that. <laughs> in fact, he never knows that. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I ended I ended up liking liking Benny a lot. Um, I I absolutely adored Benny. I think he was such a great character. I think he really made the most of the time he had on the show. I really liked his friction um, with Cass, and I and I'm not gonna lie, I really loved seeing Dean kind of in the middle of these little spats in purgatory um because (laughs) they're like their hackles were always raised around each other um and i liked that because i'm trash um his (laughs) his um and and i wanted to just kind of pop into what jill was talking about not, not understanding why sam hated benny so much um and i think it really didn't have as much to do with benny as it did to do with Sam like Benny is the manifestation of Sam's guilt 
Benny saved Dean when Sam didn't even try. And I think having that in his mind thrown in his face about how Dean's like talking to Benny a lot more and how Dean and Benny became close and Benny calls Dean brother like that, I think really bothered Sam because Sam knew that, that this was something that Benny would have with Dean that Sam never could. And I think he could not move past his own guilt for not trying to save Dean. Um, and he put all of that on Benny. So I think that's why he hated him so much. Um, it, it really becomes clear in the finale and sacrifice when he's like yelling at Dean about how Dean's going to um, go find another angel to confide in or another vampire. And I thought it was interesting that in that moment he put Cass and Benny on the same level for him as far as jealousy and some resentment so that's kind of my thoughts on sam and benny's tension but i love benny i could watch benny i could watch a whole benny as a vampire season happily yeah yeah paula um well and I love Benny too. And, but in Sam's defense, I think it probably didn't help the fact that Dean was trying to hide the fact that Benny existed, you know, for however long that lasted before he finally found out. And he never did come clean until Sam met him. And that probably, you know, soured Sam's opinion of him too. And absolutely it was jealousy, guilt, all of those things. Um, we, we needed more Benny. <laughs> we just, we needed more Benny. Yeah, yeah. And I think there was also a lot of, you know, and I think this it plays into what Meg was saying, but I think it, it's a lot of insecurity with Sam. And Sam also is so used to Dean putting Sam above everybody else. And the fact that he was sort of, you know, that he was defending this person and he wasn't taking Sam's side instantly. And he was just so, you know, def- he just loved Benny so much that Sam was like, oh, great, I'm going to lose this person that has always been there to protect me. And I think it was this fear of losing Dean and losing what he had had with Dean um, up until that point. So, and I think that's a lot of what Sam struggles with through the whole entire season is dealing with that and dealing with, of course, his own guilt, as has been mentioned before. Um, But yeah, Meg, you wanted to add something on that? Yeah, I just wanted to add that um, as far as you're talking about with with Sam and losing his protector, this I felt like this situation with Benny and and Dean and Sam is kind of really felt more like a parent-child relationship than it has previously between between Dean and Sam. Because frankly, Sam was being childish. (laughs) Like... And I and I understand kind of where he's coming from as far as reading it as a guilt and manifestation. But when Dean had to like remind him, do you really think that I would put anybody over you? That really that made me so mad because Dean finally had a friend. And it was something that Sam wasn't a part of. And Sam had to like had to make him give that up and make him feel like Dean doesn't feel guilty about enough. He had to add to it. Um, and it just, it very much felt like a parent child relationship as far as all that goes. And Sam's petulance is something that I've had a hard time kind of forgiving, honestly. Yeah. It's one of my biggest issues with Sam period. 
Um, mm-hmm. Sam is such a whiny little brat sometimes. And he just, he uses Dean. He really uses Dean because he knows Dean will do anything for him. Um, and it really gets on my nerves. And that's what I have sort of appreciated about Sam in the later seasons more in like the last couple of seasons is he's kind of gotten past that. And I've appreciated that because that was just so aggravating. Paula. Yeah. It seems like whether he intends it to or not, he's, he is kind of manipulative of Dean sometimes. But yeah, it's funny because you mentioned like in the later seasons, kind of how it's, he's more mature and they have a more mature relationship. Cause obviously you got to think about it, like the show begins and he's 22 years old. He's a, he is a kid. Um, and when we look at the dynamic, I know they're brothers, but like I said, they really have much more of a parental child relationship in, in many, many ways. And I think a lot of it is, I kind of think of like season eight, Sam is like teenage Sam. If you're raising a child, um, <laughs> And it's not, it's, it's one of those things where it's really, really hard to raise your kids. It's hard to be friends with your children. Um, And Sam, as he gets older, I feel like that's when you're like, as, as a parent, when your kid becomes an adult and you can see each other more as equals, because generally it's not kids jobs to see things from their parents' perspectives. Um, And they have such a strange dynamic because yes, they are brothers, but really Dean raised Sam. So there's so much more of a father figure our father-son relationship there in play too. So that's all. Yeah, that's very true. Okay, well, let's move on to one of my favorite characters ever. And I know someone on our panel cosplays as her. Um, let's move on to Abaddon. Jill, what are your thoughts on Abaddon? Um, I love Abaddon. Um, she was a good, bad, bad character. Um she felt scary. She felt like she meant business and she was dangerous. Um, Elena Huffman is awesome. Um, she did an amazing job. Um, yeah, I felt Abaddon, as far as the big bads, Abaddon was one that felt like there was um, consequences and a real danger to her. And um, she wasn't going to be easy to pick off. Uh, she played it very well. She played it um, strong and she played it sinister and um, I think everybody was a little scared of her even as they're trying to kill her they they were aware that she was she was trouble and they needed to be careful and it, it led into the Mark Cain storyline which was huge so uh, it, she was a great addition mm-hmm. yeah and Judy liked her too for all those same reasons like she really was threatening and scary she was almost like the anti-crowley right crowley had had lost a little bit of his edge i mean his edge kind of came and went right but he was no longer this big threat and even he was afraid of her um so yeah she for that reason she was she was pretty cool yeah i i definitely liked her and and what she brought in um I think the one thing that I never quite understood was, um, I guess, kind of her motivation. I, I guess it, I, maybe I was it was just plain old fashioned power, um, but she just seemed kind of uh, angry and scary to be angry and scary. <laughs> 
So yeah, I think I think I would have liked a little bit more of her like understanding where she was coming from and you know, was she Lucifer Loyals or you know, whatever her thing was would be interesting to see. Yeah. And Meg. Um, I absolutely adore Abaddon um as a villain. I think I say I've been saying adore a lot in this podcast, but it's there's no better word for it to be to be honest. Um one of the things I really find interesting is she was scary she had no time for any kind of nonsense from the winchesters or anybody else she i love how much she hated crowley and i love how disgusted she was by the fact that crowley was in charge um because crowley was basically a salesman and she was a knight of hell um and in her mind she rightfully should and i think she should have been in charge i'm glad she wasn't because it would have been a lot scarier i wish i basically i guess my feelings about season eight is i just want all of them to be season eight because i always want all the storylines in season eight to kind of last longer um i thought that it was so interesting she is one of the few long term um monsters or villains that don't at some point kind of become begrudging allies at least a little bit with the boys. And I think that's what really makes her stand out. We could talk about Crowley losing his teeth a little bit, which he absolutely did. Um, but so many of these villains that that stick around, they eventually become like allies and buddies. Like who would have thought, who would have thought when Crowley first came on that I would have cried when he died? Like, who, and felt like he got robbed, who would have known that Rowena, when she first came on, her sacrifice would be so pivotal and and mean so much? Um, Abaddon was none of that. Abaddon was, she was there. She did not care about what they wanted to do. She gave zero Fs about um, anything other than making hell what she deemed hell to be and getting rid of these pissant Winchester boys. And I thought that was really refreshing. And I think that if the Mark of Cain hadn't been there to, to stop her, she would have really been, uh, she probably would have won. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there is no charming her into into anything so yep Yep. paula she was definitely a formidable villain for for the guys to to play off of and i loved uh seeing the conflict between her and crowley it was it was just fun to watch it was just a lot of fun um elena huffman was just fantastic in that role yeah yeah she was um Definitely one of my favorites. Um, I think next to Dean, she was the sex. She's the sexiest character that has ever, ever been on the show. Oh, absolutely. Oh, my God. Yeah. I was just thinking, I forgot to talk about how hot she was. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Just incredible. And the actress is, too. I mean, oh, just, just, there's just something about her and the way she would wear her hair and her outfits and her lipstick and just everything just hands down next to Dean, the sexiest character that's ever been on the show. And then of course I loved Benny. You have the accent. So you have these three sexy characters in this season. <laughs> just imagine, sorry, <laughs> the things, um, Paula. Oh, yeah, and that, that scene uh, when she 
is basically threatening Dean that she's going to possess him. Ah, oh, love that scene. It was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I always wanted them to just have sex one time. Just one time. <laughs> just once. Just yeah, once. Just some hate sex. That's all I want. And Jill. Um, yeah, I was just saying that Abaddon was um, such a strong female character that they threw in that never wavered. She didn't get weak. Um, she was strong from moment one to end of the line. Um, and even when she was only a head and, and um, hands and they're not together, it's like, you know, she, she was strong and, and formidable there. So I love that she was a strong, very strong female character. Yeah, and they, they underestimated her as opposed to sometimes people underestimate the Winchesters. The Winchesters underestimated her, I think. And Meg? Yeah, I mean, just to kind of add, like, it's funny that you you guys are both talking about um, how sexy she was, and then she was just a head. Um, she made being a stitched-up-together demon look real good. Um, but to touch on, I'm actually really, really glad that her and Dean didn't have sex, or that she... I love the fact that she did not... Oh, I know, it would have been hot. It would have been hot to see, absolutely. 100%. Yes can put that in the bank there um but i love the fact that she didn't use her sexuality as a weapon i love the fact that that she was a badass and she was this hot woman and and her sexuality and her her beauty didn't really ever come into play at all and i think especially i think it's just such a huge trope of women using sex as a weapon or a manipulative tool um that i was really really grateful to actually not see that as hot as it would have been to see but i mean yeah <laughs> story-wise i'm glad we didn't <laughs> yeah that no that's a very that's a very good point because she was incredibly sexy but it was never used that way you're yeah you're right and i think it would have been hotter when Dean was a demon, honestly, although she was gone then, but it would have been hard. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, she, I just, I loved her. I kind of wish we had gotten more of her, honestly. Um, although I think her death scene is one of the best death scenes this show has ever had. That ki killing her, the way they killed her, I know it was really hard to film that. And I just, I, I think that that whole scene was just really intense. I know some people have problems with it, but I, I really liked that, that scene a lot. Okay, well, let's move on. Um, we're actually going to skip over the bunker a little bit here. We'll talk about it maybe if we, if we get to it, but um, we can kind of add it onto this. But it, one of the big storylines in this season was the trials and the trials to close hell. And then eventually you let that there was, there was a demon tablet and an angel tablet. And so the tablets, both of them, one of them had the um, spell to close heaven and one to close hell. And so Sam took on the trials to close hell. What were your overall thoughts on the trials, Jill? Um, first of all, I love that Sam took on the trials. As, as much as I love Dean, Dean always does, you know, Dean does most of the things, the big things, you know, he takes on the mark and, um, He's always willing to sacrifice himself. And it was nice to see Sam take that on, um, even though Dean was fighting him the whole time because he wanted to sacrifice himself so bad. Uh, it was nice to see Sam being focused on that. 
kind of like the demon blood thing. It's kind of one of those things where it's like he's he's on his path. He's going to do it. He's going to succeed. And then at the last minute, we pull the rug out from underneath him and go, wait, don't do that. That's going to be bad. Um, so I kind of would have liked to have seen him succeed. Not necessarily succeed in closing the gates of hell and, and whatever he was doing or die or sacrifice himself. But it would have been nice to see Sam take on one of these things and actually succeed at the end. Um, you know, Dean making the deal and going to hell, that's not succeeding, but he fulfilled what that that deal was. You know, he went to hell. He he sacrificed himself. Sam didn't get to do that. Um, I definitely want Sam around, so I don't necessarily want him to sacrifice himself. So it's kind of a um, yin and yang thing there. But um, I did like that he took them on, and I did like that he was successful with them. Had he not been stopped, he would have succeeded. And um, I like that for his character to to be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah, Judy. Yeah, I think the um, the trials ended up just giving us some really cool stories, um, you know, on, on both sides, whether it was the hell trials or or the heaven, um, closing the gates of heaven trials. Um, I mean, the hell trials, they gave us the, the Sam confession and Crowley in the church um, becoming close to human and and that that scene from from mark was just gorgeous it was perfection um you know and then the the heaven trials introduced us to metatron which i know everybody hates metatron but god i love him <laughs> and the reason why is because he gets the best dialogue the most interesting dialogue he was just fantastic um but yeah i i just thought the trials were such a great storyline and led to so many cool things with the exception of the absolutely ridiculous hell that Sam had to go to, to rescue Bobby. It looked like a haunted house. It was terrible. Absolutely terrible. There was nothing scary about it. Like Dean's hell. He was hanging from chains and screaming and, and there was torture and blood. And I've been, in haunted houses like you know halloween haunted houses that are scarier than the hell that sam went to and it was oh god it was the worst <laughs> so i just have to say i hated that trial but the rest were great <laughs> that's funny that's, that's actually a really good i mean it was a buck that. lemming episode so i'm like you know <laughs> what are you gonna do <laughs> <laughs> and meg um, yeah, I thought the trials were really interesting. I I I didn't get quite as invested in them um, as I did in kind of the earlier season eight stuff. Um, I I thought it was interesting. I I liked that Sam was taking it instead of Dean because Dean is so Dean is always so hard on himself and so self-sacrificial that he almost always seems to run to sacrifice himself um, as if that's going to fix whatever he thinks is broken within him. So I liked that Sam um, did that instead of Dean. The trials gave probably 
the gave us the best Crowley scene um, I think we were going to ever get when Crowley was becoming human. And like the, they also helped give us, and the angel trials gave us probably the most visually beautiful, stunning um, season finale that we've ever had. And honestly, it's one of those, it's so weird because I love season eight and I watch it so I watch it so much, but I don't, the trials don't really get to me as, as, as much as like purgatory. When I think of the trials and I, and we know we talked, we, we haven't really talked much about Metatron. I do absolutely hate Metatron with the fire of a thousand suns, but as far, he was a great character. I just hate that character. Like he's a good job making someone that I felt that passionately about. Um, I hate what he did to Cass. I, I anyway um so yeah I mean I don't have as quite as much to say about the trials as I have about everything else yet I guess um Jill and Judy kind of covered a lot of it already so Paula um one of the other things I I kind of saw with the trials with Sam taking them on was you know we knew from the beginning that he had demon blood in him and you know that just doesn't go away so the trials kind of, for me at least, kind of became a way of Sam being able to kind of cleanse himself of that, especially if he had succeeded. So um, that was one of the reasons why I was really glad that it was Sam instead of Dean that took on those trials um, as a way for him to, you know, cleanse himself or redeem himself um, for, for what had happened with the demon blood. Yeah, yeah. Interesting point. Meg? Yeah, and I think that was I, I like I totally forgot kind of when when with the demon blood and stuff like that. And I think you can see that that was really the driving force of why Sam decided to do that. Not only I think he did want to protect Dean, he didn't he did want to take this. I think part of that was Sam was guilty a lot a lot in season eight. Sam was feeling real bad, um, and I think between being upset about Dean and, and his guilt over not finding Dean in purgatory, the demon blood and trying to, to give himself that redemption. Um, I, I think it was actually, it was beautiful that Sam was the one to do it. Yeah. I think everybody's pretty much said, um, you're going to say, um, I do think, you know, it's interesting. This is kind of going back because, you know, I'm, I'm a Dean person, the, biggest Dean person I think that's going to be on any of these episodes and um, I think a lot of the reason Dean takes on this stuff I think there's another underlying thing here and this is going to be super depressing where I think Dean is low-key suicidal all the time and so he would be fine dying and um, yeah when we talk about the finale which we're recording this after it aired I, I, I will tell you why certain things pissed me off but yeah, that's that's always been Dean. Dean has always been low key suicidal, and that's what's always broken my heart about Dean. Um, and so, yeah, it was was nice to see that he didn't do that. And and that's why I think it's interesting that there are so many Dean fans that actually got pissed that that got taken from Dean. I'm the opposite. I didn't want to see that. I was fine with Sam doing it, and I think it was a good thing for Sam to go through. Um, and I think it would have been interesting. I wouldn't have wanted to see Sam die necessarily, but I think it would have been interesting to see what would have happened if both the gates to hell 
and then also the goats gates to heaven were both closed at the same time and then you have and if you had any demons that came out before that and so you have the demons and the angels at the same i don't know i just think that might have been interesting but i do agree with the angels falling um which leads me into um another big thing that happened in season eight and i just and i know everybody probably wants to talk about goodbye stranger and and the scene with Cass and dean um and Cass, of course was being controlled by naomi the angel naomi um so i want to talk about that and then the angels falling and then we'll be wrapping up season eight so jill what were your thoughts about Cass? um i dislike that whole storyline of Cass being manipulated and him not knowing he was being manipulated. Um, Because it was, I mean, if, if he's taking on the Leviathans and he knows he's taking on the Leviathans, it's one thing. If he's taking on, you know, this role of killing Dean or um, following orders and he doesn't know that he's following orders, um, it makes him a robot, you know, and I'm all about team free will. You know, if he's making his choices, that's great. If he's being manipulated, uh, it's it's not enjoyable for me to watch. Um, really hated the whole Kill Dean storyline. Um, there was nothing I liked about it. Yeah, I mean, it was absolutely gut-wrenching for me, being a DSTL shipper. Like, to see that Naomi used his love for Dean against him that way. Um, oh my God. It's just such horrible manipulation. Um, it's affirmation for us shippers because never once did he kill a Sam or anybody else for that matter. The only thing she was able to use against him that way was Dean. Um, and then, Oh my God, the scene in goodbye stranger, when you know she when he's getting when he's beating up dean and something some mysterious bizarre thing breaks the connection i wonder what it was ah oh, to this day i cannot believe that the answer was uh. <laughs> i wanted to scream in fact i probably did <laughs> um but yeah that that Going back and watching that again now, having seen um, eighteen uh, episode eighteen from this current season, which confirmed that this entire time Cass has been in love with Dean. It's just it's a whole. Um, it's even deeper, and it's even more gut wrenching for uh, to go back and watch. Um, yeah, I so I was not a, I, I like yeah the manipulation I didn't. I didn't like that. I didn't think it was great. But like Judy said, as a shipper, this whole storyline fed us so well. Like I, the I I feel like I'm brushing off the the manipulation part because the the idea of Cass being this and and uh, this is obviously we've already talked about the 15 spoilers um but the idea that this Castiel is the only Castiel who ever had any free will whoever who fell for dean fell in love with this righteous man and then completely rewrote everything and i think knowing that going back to watch it makes it even stronger this is not something chuck wrote this is not something 
um, God ordained to happen. This was Cass and Cass's choice. I mean, we talk about the manipulation. You're right. He was manipulated and tortured um, psychologically and physically to kill Dean. Think of she made him kill Dean until he didn't hesitate. And you see all of those bodies and every single time with those, he hesitated. And then when it came to the real Dean, he got his choice back. He took that power back and, and broke that, that connection with Naomi. And, and, and I think it's beautiful. Honestly, I think, um, I think the origins is shit, but I love the assertion of how Cass and Dean and their bond and Castiel himself um, is strong enough to overcome all of this torment and torture that he was put through to force him to do that. Um, so I think, I think it's absolutely beautiful. Um, I am a bit of a, a slut for angst. So <laughs> I am here for that pain. Like I love it. <laughs> um, but I, I get, I could talk a whole episode about this too. I've just, you know, just let's just do a Destiel episode and it'll just be me screaming into the void. <laughs> me and Judy just yelling at each other. <laughs> random, <laughs> random scene, scene moments. Yeah, we'll have to, we'll have to do that when, when we, um, cause Judy is going to be on the one where we talk about just random other stuff from Supernatural, which we're definitely going to talk about ships. Yeah, you're 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 on there. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and you guys will definitely have to be talking about about shipping. So, yeah, Judy. Yeah, one thing to add about that um, is that it it also reinforces just how, how important Cass is to this yes. entire universe, and how he has his choices have driven everything and made all the difference in this universe and this one only. And I love that it gives us a glimpse of he's always been special. It's not, I mean, yes, Dean has changed him, but he's always been special. He wouldn't kill the babies in um, Egypt. And, you know, like, I want to know what else. He's always had that crack in his chassis. I know. And I just, I, I want so much backstory on Cass. I want to know if like he refused to kill people in Gamora. I want to know if, you know, like I want to know all of his story because to me, he's the most fascinating character ever created. Paula. Yeah. I kind of wonder how many times Naomi's gotten to him before. (laughs) Um, I don't really have much to add. Um, but it does just go to show how how strong Cass's free will is that he was able to break that control uh, that Naomi thought she had on him. Um, yeah, I don't really have much else to add to that. They've you guys have pretty much said everything there is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you you guys have definitely said everything that needs to be said on that. Um... <laughs> No, it's great. It's wonderful. Um, yeah, on our uh, little side note here, and I um, on the episode that we're gonna do, that's just the other stuff. I think I think Susie is gonna be Susie's gonna be on that, and I think she also ships ships them. So it's just gonna be four shippers. Just <laughs> it's gonna be end up being just about that. I have a feeling. Um, anyway, no, I I I 
agree. I think it was hard to watch at times. The scene in Goodbye Stranger was so painful to watch. But it was also beautiful in this weird way. Um, whereas I know I mentioned when we were talking about Kripke and how much I hate the Point of No Return episode because I hate the scene where – I hate that whole episode. But I really hate the scene where Cass is beating Dean. Um and this one to me was different where, whereas I hated it, I didn't want him to do it. I was glad when he broke free. He, to me, he was being so manipulated that it wasn't him. So I wasn't blaming Cass. I was just going, oh my gosh, you've got to not do this because if you do this, you are going to hate yourself forever. Because, you know, I've talked a lot about how, and we all have, about how Dean doesn't have very good self He has no self-esteem. And Cass struggles with that too. And so Cass has so much guilt already throughout season eight that he's dealing with and so much PTSD that if he had done that, it would have just destroyed him, I think, would just completely destroyed him. So I'm really glad that he didn't do that. Yeah. Um, I know Jill and Meg have stuff to add. I'm not sure who raised their hand first. So go ahead, Jill. (laughs) So, you know, this is kind of a running theme, this, this love theme. We've seen this before. We've seen, you know, John got possessed and um, going to kill it. You know, Yellow Eyes is going to kill his boys, but John fights his way out because he loves his boys. Um, it's it's kind of, you know, we've done this many times. You know, Dean is fighting something. You know, Dean is um, possessed and he he fights his way out. We have we have this reoccurring theme playing over and over and over again throughout the series and what uh you, you know that we talked about it in the Kripke episode with the um you know with Lucifer trying to kill Dean um it, but Sam sees the the army man in the car and it breaks you know those memories break him out um so this is just one in that series of love love will win out no matter what's going on if you love, love will win out. Yeah, and there are a couple instances we'll be talking about in um, the upcoming seasons we're going to be covering too. Um, Meg? Yeah, I just wanted to add on to what you were talking about, Aaron, with the with Cass's feelings. And I know you had talked about how Dean is suicidal. Cass actually like talks about committing suicide during this season because of what he did to Heaven. And I feel like it was such a... I'm still mad that that was just kind of brushed off that he literally said, if he saw what he did in heaven, he would kill himself. And it was just like, Oh, okay. And then it was just kind of cast. I mean, talk about like Dean's self-esteem issues and, and, and stuff. And I think it's so tragic, the so tragic to cast forecast that he forever thinks that the only reason that he is wanted by the Winchesters is because he can be useful to them. And I think one of the most heartbreaking things for me about this entire series is he never once got to hear that that wasn't the case that they want. He told, he was able to tell Jack that we love you because you're you and that you don't need to be anything more than you for us to love you. He said the same to Dean in a beautiful speech. Um, And I think it was really unfair that he never got to hear those words. He said the words that I think he needed to hear the most. Um, and he never got to hear them. And and so many times he's kind of denigrated for not being useful or helpful. 
and it just it hurts a lot to to see that and this i remember i think it was the hunteri i can never say yeah. the name of it i know i can't either <laughs> the cartoon one mm-hmm. um <laughs> i know i'm going to mess up the pronunciation so i won't even try um where he talks about suicide uh ideation and and it just it breaks my heart um and i think it's part of what i love too about dean and cassidy's two broken people find each other and try and cobble together a life um but yeah so and judy just a hundred percent confirmation i will forever be brokenhearted that Cass never heard from a single soul how valued he was yeah and that's 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 very true very true okay well let's move on to season nine <laughs> we're getting there <laughs> Okay, so season nine opens with Sam is basically dying. Um, You see in his head him going through the stages of dying, and he's got a version of Dean, and he's got Bobby, and eventually we have death coming. Um, And then meanwhile, Dean really desperately wants to save Sam. He doesn't know where Cass is. He's praying to Cass, and then he decides to pray to all the angels. And he eventually meets Skadriel who he lets possess Sam so that Sam can heal without telling Sam. And he kind of goes into his head and they do this whole manipulation thing of getting Sam to say yes. So what were, what were your thoughts about this whole storyline, Jill? I found the storyline interesting. Um, again, we're going against free will, making a choice for somebody else. Um, goes against the idea of free will. But it's it plays right into Dean's psyche. He can't be without Sam. He'll do whatever it takes to get Sam, even though he knows it's not the right thing. I, mean, I don't think he w- he was ever comfortable with it the whole time either. But he felt like it was the only way to save Sam, and that overrid everything else. Um, Gadriel was interesting because he just didn't know whether to trust him or not. You know. He, there were times when you felt like, oh, he's going to be okay. He's one of the good guys. And then there were times you're like, eh, I'm not sure he's a good guy. <laughs> Until he eventually revealed himself to not to be a good guy. Um, I, I, I did love Jared's switches. When Jared would switch in between Gadriel and himself. I thought he played that very well. Not necessarily the throw him against the wall and he wakes up as Gadriel. But um, I did like his facial changes you could he, he did a good job of showing when he was one or the other it was very clear between that um, i did think they they threw him against the wall so many times <laughs> um then have him wake up totally confused like what just happened um but i thought it was an interesting storyline and and i think sam was rightfully angry when he found out what had been done even though it was done to save him. I think he had, had a right to be angry that he his choice had been taken away from him. Judy? Yep, I struggle with that one. Um, I, I definitely see both sides. Um, the whole free will, body autonomy, how important that must be to Sam, having been possessed by Meg and by Lucifer and all of that. So I... I I totally get Sam's perspective and he was justified in his anger. Um, 
but I also feel like he needed he first of all he held it against Dean for too long that just dragged on um and I feel like they needed a conversation where he explained why that bothered him but also said thanks for saving me too yeah like I don't know it just it just really felt like like Sam was just making Dean pay and pay and pay and pay for that um for saving his life and you know Dean was in a terrible situation right there he didn't he didn't I don't know if Sam had an NDA or not <laughs> but <laughs> or, or what's it called a DNR a DNR like we don't know you know whether he wanted to be brought back or or what but it just I don't know I I, I struggle with that one a lot because I, I can definitely see both sides and I feel like even though Sam was justified in his heart and his anger, um, he just took it out on Dean too much and, and they ne- and never did let Dean know that he was at least grateful for being alive. Jill, you wanted to add something? Yeah, and we also can't forget that, that that whole situation led to Kevin's death. And that was a huge moment. Sam has to feel like he was responsible because it was his body. Dean feels like he's responsible because he let Gadriel in. Um, so, you know, that was the ultimate result of that. As much as Sam hated being possessed, the the real problem with it was it ended up in, in Kevin's death. Very true. Yeah, that was heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah. Meg? Um, I have to, to kind of disagree a little bit. I think Dean manipulating Sam into letting Gadriel possess him was probably one of the worst things Dean's ever done. Um talk about body autonomy talk about consent um he knew sam didn't want this he knew he didn't want that if he otherwise he wouldn't have had to manipulate sam into doing it um i thought sam was angry at him for an appropriate amount of time i i it and then you think of all that sam had to go through getting possessed again by crowley having being these things drilled into his brain to to get Gadriel out um because Dean because Dean's toxic codependency at that time um I no I think that I honestly Dean's done some bad things um and I think a lot of people really try to rationalize a lot of Dean's actions and I'm one of them I try and rationalize a lot of what Dean does because I absolutely love Dean I think everything he does again is out of love um but this was probably one of the worst things he has ever done and it led to so much, so much pain um, because Dean couldn't handle the possibility of losing Sam. He couldn't, he couldn't function without that. And I feel like that was so messed up because Sam didn't need a DNR. Sam told him he was fine to die. He had made his peace with dying. Um, he was already upset that Dean took away the trials from being Sam being able to do these amazing things in the trials and close the gates of hell. Um, And on top of that, then Sam Dean takes away his autonomy. He, it, Ooh, I get heated. The one good thing that came out of all of this is that we got Tom O'Pinnacat. And, and, and yeah, it, there are two horrible, horrible, nearly unforgivable things Dean does in this season. 
Uh, this is the first one, and it looks like we're going to be talking about the next one pretty soon. Um, but it just, I still get, I still get mad because I, yeah, I love Dean, and that's probably what makes me so angry about what he did to Sam in that sense. I don't think Sam was unreasonable at all. Um, I, I agree. It was, it was one of the things that made me very angry. Um, is he, he manipulated Sam. He took away his choice. He, he kind of did the same thing with, with Lisa and Ben in the previous season when they were in danger, he took away their choice by having cast take away their memories. He, he would do what he, he does, what he thinks is best, no matter what the person involved thinks. And that's kind of a flaw in Dean's character. Even though he's doing it out of love, it's still so wrong. And there, you know, may never have seen any consequences with Lisa and Ben, but there are some terrible consequences. Kevin dies. You know, it leads to the the animosity between Sam and Dean leads Dean to try to redeem himself and take on the mark of Cain so that they can defeat Metatron and it just it leads to so many bad things later on and it's it's just it was a horrible choice it made me so angry at him no matter how much I love him it made me so angry (laughs) yeah and Meg made a good point that um that it um it happened right after we stopped Sam from dying from closing the gates of hell so he said I'm not willing to let you die for closing the gates of hell then he takes away this choice from him which cascades into a bunch of terrible things. And I hadn't really thought about it that way. I kind of thought of it as its own thing, but I didn't think about the fact that Sam was already willing to die for to close the gates of hell. So Dean didn't let him die twice in a row. He took away that choice for him twice, back to back. Yeah, and like I, when I, like I said, when we started in, in season eight, um, you know, I am the biggest Dean defender I know. I will defend him against anything. I think he's better than any character on this show. I think he's better than any character ever created. I love him with everything that I am. He has, it may sound weird, but he's given me a lot personally. He's helped me heal. I've talked a lot about that. But this is the one thing that I cannot defend that Dean has done. This is the one thing that I will not, you know, be overly defensive even when I know I shouldn't defend him. This is the one instance um, where I totally, completely understood where Sam was coming from. What Dean did was very unhealthy. It was cruel. It was mean. It was, um, it, it was against everything that Dean has said he stands for with free will. Um, it was against everything they fought for. It was so manipulative, manipulative, and it led to him hurting other people, mainly Cass, and it led to, of course, Kevin dying horribly, a horrible, horrible death. Um, and then, of course, it did lead to the mark of Cain, uh, which I loved. But this this whole thing, I, I it was the one time where I was like, yep, Sam is completely right. I'm completely on Sam's side on this. Sam has every right to leave, and he actually didn't. It was more Dean leaving. But Sam had every right to when usually when Sam leaves, I'm like, oh, my God, there he goes again, uh, throwing a tantrum. But this time it wasn't like that at all. I totally, totally understood. So, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, Meg, you wanted to add something? Yeah, I just wanted to add, like what everyone said, it was it was incredibly selfish of 
uh, of Dean, but I also think that, and, and I know how much you love Dean Aaron. I absolutely, I, I love Dean. I, I agree with you. I, I find def- myself defending him in a lot of ways um, that I wouldn't give, I wouldn't give other characters the kind of leeway I give to both Dean and Cass to be perfectly honest. I definitely don't give Sam the same amount of leeway as I give to Dean and Cass. Um, but one of the things that I, that makes Dean such a wonderful character is that he does mess up. He does screw up. He's not perfect by any means. And I, and it's one of the things that, especially in later seasons than this, which I think is hard for a lot of people watching, um, character and development doesn't go in a straight arc. We take two, we take a step forward and two steps back and it's all jagged. Um, and I just, and I think that's one of the best things about this show and especially in, and Dean in particular. Um, but yeah, this was just an unforgivable transgression. Yeah, I think I think what I struggled with most from Sam's reaction is not that he wasn't completely justified in his anger. It's the way he cut off Dean and told him we aren't brothers and almost hit below the belt in all those things that Dean values most in his entire life. So I, you know, I, I get it. He's totally justified. I just, that, I think that's what bothered me. And I think that's what led Dean to off the cliff in the first place. Yeah, no. And I, and I, and I totally get the scene in um, the purge, which I think a lot of people blow that episode off. And I think that is one of the best episodes to watch. If you want to analyze Dean, because throughout that whole episode, he's acting his goofy self, but he's not, that's not genuine at all. He's overcompensating and, and the, and the scene in the um, kitchen in the bunker when they have that conversation, when Sam says that, yeah, I, I think that is, plus it gives, it, it gave us Donna and it, and it started my ship that later would come with Dean and Donna. So <laughs> that too, um, Meg, you wanted to add something? Yeah, I think I, I, I see his thing. I don't think that Sam was hitting below the belt. I think I think that if my sibling, the person who I depend upon and trust the most to protect me and take care of me, did me so wrong and was so hypocritical um, about te- about free will and about anything like that, I I could not find myself blaming Sam for anything he said. I didn't feel like he was overreacting in any way, shape, or form. I just... I, I get mad. I like I'm mad now. <laughs> like, <laughs> Excellent point. <laughs> it's just like I, I would I would be the same way. I'm sorry. I would absolutely be like, no, we are not brothers. You don't trust me. You don't you don't allow me to have that choice and that autonomy and I can't even die how I want to die because your issues. Um and it's just, uh, grr, okay, I gotta stop, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, you're not treating me like an equal, you're not treating me like an adult at all. Um, Jill? Yeah, and there's also, there's also two transgressions there. There's the, Dean made the choice for him, didn't allow him to make the choice, but he didn't just make the choice for him, he tricked him. He manipulated him 
into making the choice that he wanted him to make. So he 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 heard him twice. And then lied to him. And then lied to him about it. Yeah. Yeah, very true. (laughs) Meg in the background. We can just see Meg just getting throwing things and yeah. Well, um, let's let's talk about Cass for a minute in the beginning of this season because he's basically human. Um, his grace has been taken by Metatron. Uh, what were your thoughts about human cast, Jill? Uh, human cast is the sweetest thing in the whole world. He is just, <laughs> he is just so sweet and um, loving and calm. And I mean, I kind of loved him. Um, I did miss him, his powers, but uh, I did kind of love human cast. And I think human, that living a human life for a while I think helped him grow because it then he understood humans a little more and understood what they what they go through on a day-to-day basis uh I think it was good character development for him and um homeless Cass I think was this I feel like homeless Cass was homeless Misha I feel like that he was just tapping into his own um beliefs and his own history um for homeless cast um i kind of i kind of enjoyed that story i think it was it was good for his character development and and made who he was later um was a lot because of his experience of being a human oh a hundred percent agree i just loved human cast my only complaint is it didn't go on long enough you know i think we had two or three episodes or something um Gosh, we needed more of that. It was such a pivotal time in Cass's growth and his development and seeing just the love and the generosity that he had when he had absolutely nothing he gave to others still. Um, God, I love that character. (laughs) But, um, and it led to... uh, the summer of the most glorious fanfics in history, I think. I mean, that that between season eight and season nine was like chef's kiss time for <laughs> DCL fix. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I loved Cass being human. And my God, did my heart break for him when Dean kicked him out of the bunker. I just... Now that's unforgivable. <laughs> um, and we and it it's it appears that he was kicked out with with nothing, you know. He didn't give him any of Charlie's magic credit cards. He didn't help him hardly at all. He's just like you know, you're newly human. Go and it just that whole thing just broke my heart. Jill, you wanted to add something on that? Yeah, and as much as Dean was lying to Sam during this, he was also lying to Cass. True. He's lying to everyone who's important to him. Yep. Yeah, it was definitely a down spiral for for Dean. And Meg? Uh, Yeah, so too much heart was always Castiel's problem. Um, (laughs) And we see a lot of that when when he's a human as far as just how caring and wonderful he is. Dean kicking him out of the bunker with absolutely nothing and absolutely no explanation is the other nearly unforgivable thing, um, in my opinion. It'd be one thing to be like, hey, Cass, you gotta go. 
I can't tell you why, um, but here's a credit card or here's a here's an ID. Here's something. But he he threw him out with absolutely nothing. And it was the most heartbreaking thing. Like, it, it, it made me really like I was so angry at Dean for. Yeah, I was so angry at Dean for so much of this season. Um, but it did give us Heaven Can't Wait with with Steve. And that is one of my all time favorite episodes. Um, not even because of the the Destiel content and all of the glorious food that we got for our ship in that one. Um, but it also gave us another, like, when Cass drinks beer for the first time as a human and he pretends to be an FBI agent. And I love seeing later on in the season that Cass is, he's trying to work cases and he's trying to, to help people all by himself as best he can. And it makes me so, one of the things that makes me so angry about as far as, I just rewatched this episode actually, um, what in heaven can't wait. So Dean kicks Cass out of the bunker with nothing. And then three episodes later, he has the audacity to go see Cass where he is and then make fun of the little life that Cass, the life that Cass had managed to build for himself out of literally nothing. And it just, like, he's like, oh, yeah, you used to be some badass angel, and now you're just, you're nuking taquitos. And it's just, and it just, it makes me so angry. He's like, what do you expect him to do? Be glad he's not dead. Like, he's, he's newly human. He doesn't even, un- he, <sighs> although I like his frustration with having to, to urinate and brush his teeth. Um, there's the cinnamon roll cast I absolutely love, and I just want to take him in and like cuddle him and but not torture and stab him like April did. I'll do all the other stuff. <laughs> I'll feed him. Um, but it just I loved Cass as a human as far as the story goes and his character development, and I think it was really important. Um for Cass to go through that in order to become what he ends up being in order to fix all of the things that were broken later on. I think this was so important. His time among humans as well as his time as a human. And, and that's, that's all. (laughs) Judy. Yeah. I love that. It gave us, it gave him and us a glimpse into the way that he just appreciated the mm-hmm. um, value of work and the the honor that there is in scrubbing toilets. You know, um, yeah. it's God. It's just so beautiful. I love him, Paula. I think I think it gave Cass even more of a love for humanity. Actually, having to be human um but I, I think i spent a lot of season eight really angry at dean for the things he did and i was yelling at my at my screen when i saw this episode when when I, he kicked Cass out of the bunker i just wanted to wrap him up in a blanket take him home and and protect him <laughs> it was just he was so sweet as a human and it was yeah but like i said i think i think it gave him even more of an appreciation for humanity and more of a love for humanity and the experience he had there. Yeah. Um, I, after Cass became human, 
I, for a long time, wanted Cass to just become human. Um, I got really sick of angels for a while, <laughs> for a long time. And it kind of happened a little bit after this season that they just became boring and tedious to me. And so I would have liked the show to have had Cass decide I'm going to become human. Um, and it'd be up to him. It was his choice, his decision. I always wanted that to happen. And I'm, and I'm so sad that spoilers that didn't happen. Um, because I just, I just would have loved to have seen that. Cause I really did like, um, Cass as being human. I, I do think sometimes on this show, uh, one of my big issues with later seasons is they make people into cinnamon rolls too much. And it kind of irks me like, I don't like Jack at all, and that's why I don't like Jack. Um, but we'll get into that when we talk about Dab's um, Dab's era. But I, so I think that that got kind of annoying. But I liked it with Cass because I think Cass already had that in him. Like I talked about before when we were discussing Cass, Cass has he as strong as a being he is, and as powerful a being as a being he is. And this is aside from when he's human. He's so profoundly vulnerable and so innocent in a lot of ways. And you see that in his face when he's trying to do things and he's not sure what he's doing or why he did something wrong or the very first time he tries to be an FBI agent in season five. And, um, you know, you just always see that innocence in Cass. So it's always been there. So having Cass be a cinnamon roll didn't bother me because he already was just him being human just amplified that more so yeah yeah and then jill you wanted to add something on that yeah you're just gonna have to clear up something what is a cinnamon roll i've never heard that phrase before my understanding is it's basically just someone who's really incredibly precious right isn't that correct yeah okay and it's like someone who's so soft yeah 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 and and then paula um i think another thing too with Cass just remaining human would have made some of the later the later decisions they made because like you said he was this powerful being and then he becomes human and then the angels fell so they lost a lot of their powers and they kept going back and forth on what exactly Cass's powers were you know is he still this all-powerful being can he still heal people is he powered down is he more human-like and they kept waffling back and forth and I think if they had just let him just stay human or make the choice to be human that would have been more compelling and like you said it would have because he he was in a very vulnerable state right now and all of the angels right now hate him for what they perceive that he did to them with closing the the gates to heaven and i think that could have that could have played a little better later on um if he had just remained human mm-hmm. yeah yeah no totally yeah, I was just gonna I was gonna kind of extra add on to that. I'm actually glad that they didn't keep Cass as a human. At least I, I would have loved to have seen human Cass at the end. Um but I I think so much of who Cass is as a character and and when I, and when I talked about like the suicidal ideation and, and that lack of self worth, um I really liked that they gave him his uh, well he doesn't have his broken wings quite yet but the stolen grace and holy terror first off that's an, an incredibly hot um, scene when he takes the grace 
from a different angel. Like on a on a purely carnal level, I could watch that a lot because I I love cinnamon roll cast, but I really love badass cast too. You should hear you should hear my 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 podcast talking about Cassifer though. I like full blown. She did. It. I lost she did. it. <laughs> well, and we'll probably be we'll be mentioning Cassifer along the line here too. So season eleven, you know, um, <laughs> in four hours when we get to season yeah. eleven, <laughs> and Judy, I always thought um, felt that making a choice to be human instead of you know the falling because Metatron stole his grace but making a choice of whether he wanted to be human or an angel was such a pivotal part of his story that they just bah, ignored like how many angels how many demons how many characters addressed that issue with Cass what are you they kept asking him are you a human? Are you an angel? Who do you love more? The Winchesters or your family? Where are your loyalties? What do you want to be? Are you really an angel? Like, my God, I so many times that question was asked of him. And I, I feel like, why ask it dozens and dozens of times if you never give him really the ability to answer it? Yeah, uh, yeah. That's just one of the many things about Cass that got ignored. I think he was so disserviced as a character on the show, and that's all I'm going to say about that. Um, but let's get on to the character of Kane coming on, and then of course the mark of Kane. Jill, what were your overall thoughts on that storyline? We can wrap up, Kevin. Kevin's death sucked. There we go. Solved it. Um, Kane, I loved oh, that Kane. Was a sentiment <laughs> Um, I loved Kane. I mean, before we even get to the market, Kane, I loved Kane. Um, Timothy Odmanson, I can't even say his name. Um, it's wonderful in everything he does, but Kane, we, you know, we've said a lot. I wish that would have gone on longer. I would have loved more Kane. Um, he was a very interesting character. Um, and I, I love that the episode where he's just sitting around and letting them fight around him and he's just doing his own thing. <laughs> like, yeah, you guys do your thing. Um, Mark Kane, um, wow, it led to a lot of stuff. Um, I didn't, I think when we first got the Mark Kane, I didn't like it. I, I thought it made Dean's character, all the things that Dean thought he was that, he, you know, that we didn't think he was or Cass didn't think he was or Sam didn't think he was a killer. Um, all these things we fought against, all of a sudden he was. And he was up to 11. Um, so I think at the start, I wasn't very happy about that. Um, it led to Demon Dean, so that was good. <laughs> um, so I, I don't know. I'm kind of conflicted on the Mark of Cain as a, as a storyline. Um, just because of what it did to Dean. Um, I mean, it was certainly interesting. It was certainly compelling and something I wanted to watch. But I, I don't know. I'm just very conflicted on it. I don't know that I ever loved it. Um, I don't know that I hated it either. <laughs> Judy? Yep, I have to agree about Kane. Oh, my gosh. What a great 
character and perfectly played um, by Timothy with just this cool gravitas and uh, yeah I, wow he was great and I was surprised that he just kind of let himself be killed by Dean that that never quite set right with me and I get I know his whole thing was I want to be killed because you know he'd been around on earth forever um, but the other thing that Kane gave us was the Colette story and for DCL shippers, that's super important because it was such a Dean Cass parallel. Um, ugh, it was amazing. So, yeah, I loved it for that reason. The Mark of Cain itself, I agree. It kind of, it, it goes back to that um, free will. It almost sort of took Dean's free will away and took over him and made him become this monster that he didn't want it want to be um and i felt like it kind of went on a little too long i was i got bored with it i mean i shouldn't say bored i was over it by the time it was over (laughs) and meg uh yeah um i have seen tim o in several things and i have never thirsted for him quite as hard as i did when he was kane um i think and this is in season 10 but we're talking about Kane right now, so we're going to jump in there. Uh, the Executioner song, I think, is one of the best episodes of this entire series. Um, aside from my thirsting for, <laughs> for, like, I'm not into beards and long hair, but yes, please. Um, I It was just, it's so beautifully written judy you're right about the the parallel between when kane tells dean he's living his life in reverse um between dean and Cass and and kane and colette i think it i i I love the character i love um how strong he was he fought the mark for centuries he i loved the twist on how he what he killed his brother to save his brother um, I thought that was interesting and I thought that was a really good parallel with Dean also, um, with Dean and Sam's relationship. The Mark of Cain storyline, I liked the Mark of Cain storyline. I think it led to some really heartbreaking and interesting um, episodes and stories. I am not going to lie. I know it's not like <laughs> not like a good thing. <laughs> anything like that but when dean goes and kills all the steins in the the prisoner um that was really hot too it it gave it gave us a lot of really great stories and content and i've always firmly been of the belief of i don't have to necessarily like what you're telling me as long as it's a good story um and I feel like the Mark of Cain gave us some really, really good stories. I got really, really mad about shit that happened because of the Mark of Cain. Um, but I cared, <laughs> which I think is just as important um, as liking it. So I, I, I just, yeah, I did. I absolutely adored it. And like I said, Cain could get it. And that's that. <laughs> Paula. I actually really liked the Mark of Cain storyline. Um, 
I hadn't seen Timothy Admonson in anything before this. This was my first um, experience with him. I hadn't watched anything that he had been in. Um, and he was phenomenal. <laughs> Just phenomenal. Um, I, I would have loved to have seen more of Kane, more maybe of what happened between him and his brother. Um, there were so many parallels between Cain and Abel and Sam and Dean. And it was kind of, you know, cause you knew this Mark was doing horrible things to Dean, but you saw that Cain was living a peaceful life at that point. So it kind of gave you hope that well, Dean could probably do the same if it came down to it. I mean, we know that didn't happen, but it kind of still gave you that hope early on of, yes, this is a terrible thing, but he might be able to learn to live with it. If he, you know, given enough time, given enough motivation, you know, with Cass and Sam and, it was. I thought it was a great storyline, and the Executioner song was one of my favorite episodes of this of this season. Absolutely, for for all those reasons, it was just it was beautifully done, beautifully done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Judy, you wanted to add something? Yep. Two things. First of all, if you haven't watched Gallivant, go do so. (laughs) Timothy is amazing in it. So go, go, go. Um, And the other thing, just to to talk about what what you were saying, how maybe Dean could learn to live with this. Um, At any other time in his life, maybe. But with conflict between him and Sam, exasperated that. Um, Not having his brother that he, you know, him being told that he doesn't have a brother, which is, that's Dean's whole universe. So, you know, that, that rejection just compounded it. The pain of, of everything going on with Cass compounded it. So I think at this point in his life, he was almost just letting the, the high of, of the mark take over. Um, okay, so get ready. <laughs> um, as, as, as my Dean Hart loves this storyline more than I can possibly even say, I can do a whole episode just about Mark of Cain and Demon Dean. Um, I would love just a show just about Mark of Cain, Dean and Demon Dean. Um, I, I loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. Um, yes, it did cause him more pain and more PTSD. I do realize that, but it was so interesting, so compelling and Jensen freaking Ackles performance as these characters. And even though Mark of Cain is Dean, it has, you know, does horrible things. He's still a different character than demon Dean. And that wouldn't have happened with a different actor. I don't think. And he was terrifying as Mark of Cain. I mean, he did have some moments like in in um, in The Prisoner, which is just oh, one of my absolute all-time favorites ever, ever, ever. And I agree, Meg. It's, whew. yeah, when he rips off um, the gag, when he takes the gag off, holy crap. Um, <laughs> that was one of the sexiest scenes ever. Um, but he's terrifying in that he's absolutely terrifying. And that was what was so interesting because Dean, even though Dean can be scary to the monsters and he can be very powerful, he's not, he's never terrified me, but he terrified me. Um, and he also 
terrified me in good ways. So it was just, it was just so wonderful and great and awesome. And because this is going so long, I should probably stop talking about it too much because I know when we talked about Demon Dean, that's going to be a whole other thing too. But yeah, I just, I loved it. And Kane, yes, I just echo what everybody said. More Kane, more Kane, more Kane. And the Executioner's Song, yes. Hands down, one of the best episodes the show has ever done. It was cinematic. I mean, I just watched it really recently and I fell in love with it again. Just the whole opening, the cold opening, the cold open on death row was, oh my God, that was so brilliant. Oh, I missed that writing for this show. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I thought that that was just so, so good. Um, yeah. And then I know Meg and Judy wanted to add something. I'm not sure who wants to go first, but no, Meg. Uh, yeah. And I think when you talk about how scary Dean was, it's not even just like physically violent he is psychologically cruel you see in the season and i and again i know it's season 10 but we're talking about mark of cain and and it's it goes through the whole thing um but when that when he went to work that case in the finale and he called so it said that girl was dressed like a whore and the victim and she was unnecessarily cruel to her parents he didn't care that his hunter buddy died he actively caused his death and he just that was so brilliant because it's really easy to show dean is just being super violent i don't think it would have had the same impact because dean is a violent man he just is um i but to have it be not just being extra super violent um him beating the shit out of Cass in that in in the prisoner was heartbreaking but at the same time it's something that you can almost kind of get why it happened him being so unnecessarily cruel to un to innocent people um in the next episode and i and i'm sure it was more but it was like he was clearly getting to the end of 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 being able to hold on to the mark of cain um but i think that added such a deeper layer to to the mark and and the effect it was having on Dean because no matter how violent Dean has always been he's never been cruel. So, yeah, Bala. Yeah, it just it kind of went to show that you know deep down these are good men that are doing a a, a good thing in in protecting people and hunting down the monsters but it also shows um how easily if they weren't such good men at, at their core, how horrible of human beings they could be. And they showed a little bit of that in an earlier season when they were confronting Brady, um, who had been possessed by a demon and, and, and Sam and Dean had both cornered him in that alley. You got a little glimpse of it. Then you got a bigger glimpse of it with the prisoner um, and Dean. And that was just, like you said, it was terrifying, but it was kind of awesome to see too, because it was such a side of them that, you don't see and it's so like right there under the surface if they didn't have that moral compass guiding them to do good yeah yeah exactly and that's and yeah what what you're saying about how it wasn't just the violence it's it was his whole personality was different and the scene and we're totally jumping ahead because this was on my outline for season 10 but the scene we've already talked about it anyway the scene 
in the finale of season 10 when Dean is looking at himself in the mirror. Once again, like I've said, Dean and mirrors. I'm telling you, just when Dean looks in a mirror, there's something profound going on there. Um, That whole scene and when he gets angry and destroys the motel room was so powerful. And I remember I cried. I absolutely cried because there was so much rage and emotion and hatred and um, just, oh, my God, just pure, pure rage and pure anger and pure disgust, just absolute disgust. And. I mean, once again, the fact that Jensen Ackles does not have a shelf full of Emmys for playing this character will forever piss me off. Because what he did in that scene was, hands down, better than a lot of people who have won Emmys before. I'm sorry, but it just was. And that little scene, he did so much without a single flippin' word. And even in the very beginning of that episode where he's drinking the beer and the beer is, like, dribbling down his face... And he's like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Mind-blowingly amazing acting right there. Just incredible. So, yeah. Okay, well, we'll move on. Otherwise, uh, we'll be here till next Friday. Um, <laughs> so, uh, really, this is going to bleed before. right into Dab. We're just going to keep talking until the next recording. <laughs> Okay, so we're going to wrap up season nine and we're actually going to wrap up this episode. So we're going to cut it into two parts like we did with Kripke and like we probably will with Dab. So we are going to talk about Metatron and the finale because I kind of combined the two of them in my head just because Metatron, of course, kills Dean at the end of season nine. So I want to talk about Metatron and the finale. Your thoughts on that, Jill? Um. I, I loved to hate Metatron. Um, I, I think the way he was played, I mean, you hate him, but I I don't hate him like, oh, I wish he wasn't on the show. I hate him because he was meant to be hated. Um, the way he manipulates, I mean, when we first see him, we feel like he's going to, at least I felt like he was going to be a good guy. Um, but the way he manipulates, um, it's just awful. And but yet I love his little snarkiness he has. And um, I do kind of love that he tells it like it is. He, he, he doesn't mince words. Uh, killing Dean. I'm, 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 maybe I was a little naive. I didn't see it coming. Um, and um, the final scene in the finale, when Dean opens his eyes, I might have been the only time during this show that I actually gasps. Like I'm like, oh, oh my God, what just happened? Um, I I didn't see it coming. Um, the 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 death scene with Sam, it's heartbreaking. Um, made me cry. Uh, I think it's a. I think that the ending of that episode is. I want to say that the whole episode is good, but the beginning of the episode, I don't remember a whole lot of what happened in the beginning, so it it didn't stick with me, but the end of that that finale stuck with me. I thought it was a very powerful season ender and was probably, other than maybe the first season when we had the car crash, this was probably the longest summer I had wanting to see where we were going. Like It was just so shocking that I could not wait for this for the season premiere the next year. Uh, I, I 
think it was a great for, for this storyline that I wasn't so sure I loved the mark of Cain and everything that came with it. It sure ended with a bang and uh, a powerful bang. Mm -hmm. yeah. Judy. I remember I called it in one of the first episodes of the season, the one where um, Charlie comes and they, they have the whole um, wicked witch thing. And each of the each of them represented one of the characters from Wizard of Oz. And Charlie holds up the head of the Tin Man, who always had too much heart or didn't have a heart, and said he didn't make it. And I was like, they just foreshadowed Dean's death. <laughs> so I was like, oh, my God, that one. <laughs> um, but, oh, my gosh, yeah, it, it, it was really well done and really exciting. And the character of Metatron coming in as this wannabe author, wannabe writer, I think he's kind of the precursor to where we ended up with, with Chuck. Um, but my God, I, yeah, you love to hate him, but he got the best lines. Um, Curtis was amazing playing him. Uh, the dialogue, metafiction will, and, and don't call me Shirley, will forever be two of my favorite episodes. Um, Metafiction for it's meta and Metatron and just the way that, um, you know, he looks in the camera and I forget exactly what the quote is, but something like who determines what a story is. Is it the writer? Is it you? Is it the interpreter? I forget the exact word. I'm going to have to look it up real quick. <laughs> it's, it's, God, it's so perfect. And um, it just, that moment just absolutely gave me chills. So yeah, the the character of Metatron, um, love to hate him, but, but man, this show just builds such fantastic characters because he wasn't just one layered either. You know, when you get to, uh, don't call me Shirley, and he's, he meets God, his hero sort of i mean he is angry at god but it's, he's also his hero um and he you know he cries in his presence because he just doesn't understand the torture <laughs> that god has put us all through um wow yeah metatron ended up being um an evil little squirrely guy but boy did he get the best lines and i just found that one that i was talking about what makes a story work is it the plot the characters the text or the subtext and who gives the story meaning is it the writer or is it you tonight i thought i would tell you a little story and you decide oh my god <laughs> like that is supernatural and it's fandom and the whole relationship like mic drop loved it <laughs> jill you wanted to add something there yeah, I, I actually forgot. One of the things I love about the finale is the trick at the end. They, they trick Metatron into, or cast tricks Metatron into giving himself away to the angels. I loved that scene. I love that, that we have the, you know, the, the old tale of the villain giving his whole plot, <laughs> giving his speech and plotting it out. And Cass just letting him talk and then him realizing that he did it to himself. He outed himself. I love that scene. I thought that was very, very well written. He did love to hear himself talk. 
Yeah. And Meg. Yeah, the monologues are always what gets the villains. Um, <laughs> that's one of my favorite parts of Incredibles. And he's like, oh, you got me monologuing. <laughs> um, so, Meta, I, okay, so I hate Metatron. Um, I don't even so much love to hate him. I just, I hate, oh, booger. I love Curtis Armstrong. Um, I felt like Metatron was like, Booger the Angel in a lot of ways. He was very petty and weasley and whiny. And he was very much a, I didn't get to sit at the cool kids table in the cafeteria. So I'm going to cast everyone out of heaven. And it it just, anyway, he was a good villain. He, he was a great villain. Um, but I just, I just hated him. So much. I hated how manipulative and weaselly and slimy he was. Um, Stairway to Heaven, when he convinces all of these angels, he convinces Gadriel to recruit angels to commit suicide in Castiel's name. Like, it's, it's, he's very Machiavellian. Um, he's, he's just, grr. Um, I absolutely loved that Cass was able to, to, Get some of that back in that finale when he when he tricked Metatron because Metatron had been playing Cass like a fiddle constantly. And Cass, even when Cass didn't trust him, somehow he still ended up playing exactly into what Metatron wanted to do. And it's it spoke a lot to Metatron's like wiliness or something like that but at some point it got kind of tiring to have Metatron just be always right about everything and and that was really frustrating um side note this is the first season I watched anything live so season nine is when I first came into Supernatural and let me tell you having Dean wake up as a demon and having that be my first hiatus (laughs) Like, I was already having a real hard time of having to wait a week between episodes after having binged it the first eight seasons. Um, That was real tough. And to have it be like, Demon Dean, this is what you get to wait for. Um, That was super fun. But, but, uh, yeah, I just... I didn't really dig Metatron's redemption arc too much i'm glad that his story got tied up um i'm i'm totally fine i i'm curious about what happened to his grace but i i just he like yeah like and that's that's a different season that's season 10 when we talk about Cass getting his wings back and metatron still playing him like it just it made me so angry like he always plays ah! okay okay I'm gonna take Chill. a breath. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna take a nap, guys. It's funny because I passes vulnerability. You know, he just it's too trusting. Little, little... <laughs> He's in love with humanity. I forgot to even oh. mention that line. Like, oh my god! And I know. Pause. I was very disappointed in the both pause. of you. Pause. <laughs> He's in love with humanity. <laughs> Me too. Everyone's in love with humanity. I felt like I was watching Rocky Horror Picture Show. And to some... I, <laughs> I can't believe I didn't even mention it the first, like, first talking about it. I just got kind of wrapped up in other stuff. But yeah, he the best lines, absolutely. 
again, us Destiel shippers got fed so well by Metatron, which is the only reason I think I tolerate his seats. <laughs> Jill, were you going to add something? Yeah, um, I didn't. I didn't even think, make this connection until Meg mentioned it. That the Metatron Cass storyline of how manipulative he is and how he's always one step ahead is foreshadows the Chuck Winchester storyline. It's, it's the exact same story. They're being manipulated to play his game. And the only time they ever beat him is when they step out of his game and play their game. Yeah, that's a good point, Paula. One of the things I really like about the way they write some of the villains is they kind of take you on this roller coaster because at first, God, I, I hated Metatron, hated that, hated hated how how manipulative and bad he was. But then you get to Don't Call Me Shirley, and that episode between him and Chuck was just so wonderful. And then he does get a bit of a redemption that kind of made me feel bad for him, you know. But I still wanted to hate him. And they 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 are really good at making you feel things for these villains that you don't want to feel. <laughs> and uh, he, he was, yeah, he was just it, he was just the one you loved to hate so much. But I thought he got a good end, and I was I was glad to see he got a little bit of a redemption. I guess I might be the minority in that one, but I, I was glad to see that. Um, I hate Metatron. I absolutely despise that character. I I like Curtis. I think he's great, but I thought Metatron lived too long. Frankly, um, I think he should have died like in season ten, first episode. I'm just I'm just not a fan, and I think a lot of it is because. I think Dean's death at the end of season nine is the most brutal death Dean has ever had in the show. It was so painful to watch. So that's probably a lot of it. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was just, it just, oh, yeah. Um, Only in Supernatural can you talk about the brutality of one person's multiple <laughs> deaths, which was the worst. Yeah, that's true. Was I it know. the tacos? Was it the... <laughs> It was it was totally it was totally coming too though because at this point Dean was just so much like this isn't this is a dictatorship you take my orders and da 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 and he refused to let anybody kind of go along with him and help him and and he, he's they're all, team free will is always stronger together they just mm-hmm. are um, and his just complete and utter lack of faith in Cass and Sam. Um, to be able to do anything, like he's just like, I have the mark of Cain. I can do it. I am the only one who can do any of this. Screw you all. Um, I wasn't surprised that he ended up dead because he was his arrogance and his and his just utter disregard for the contributions of other people at this point made it almost impossible for him to not be killed. But it was a harsh and brutal and heartbreaking death. And then especially because in that that last scene with Sam you he's Dean again he's not Mark of Cain Dean he's just Dean and so we get to watch our baby die again yeah yeah it was it was very hard to watch I but I think um do you believe in miracles is probably my hands down favorite season finale honestly um because I loved the Mark of Cain storyline because it led to Demon Dean which is one of my all-time favorite storylines too um and the last scene in there and Crowley's monologue to Dean 
which hasn't been mentioned yet, was just aces. Perfect. Perfection. Loved it. Um, and I loved that Crowley, you know, Crowley is the one who never underestimates the Winchesters. But Crowley this whole time, even though Dean catches on a little bit to it, has been manipulating Dean. And he knows exactly what's going to happen with Dean. Because, and we really see it in season 10, Crowley is in love with Dean. <laughs> I mean, you just see, he is. Who is it? <laughs> <laughs> and, but he also wants... Saying. But he also realizes that to have a Winchester become a demon is, whoa, that's that's a lot of power right there. Um, and I think for Crowley, he felt like he was losing he was losing some of his power in hell and he was losing his power as the king of hell. So here he is being able to manipulate Dean Winchester into becoming a demon. And that's just incredible. So Crowley kind of won at the end, even though Metatron killed Dean. Crowley really was the winner of the season. <laughs> he just was because he got to have a demon and a, a Winchester demon that he created. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I just I think everything about the finale is perfection from the opening where you see them pulling Dean away when he attacked Gadriel with the blade. Um, and then from when you see them lock him away and you see him coughing up the blood and again, looking in the mirror Summoning Cass, the whole scene when they, I mean, that's Cass, sorry, summoning Crowley, and the whole scene when Crowley and him go to the bar and he won't even eat a hamburger, and that's when you really know something's wrong with Dean. And just that, just watching that was just, it was, it's just so beautiful. Or Dean's line to Crowley when Crowley, I can't remember exactly what he says to him in that scene, but, and Dean's like, congratulations, do you want a stuffed teddy bear or something like that? just the way he delivered that line was so perfect and Crowley saying so is this what you guys do you just drive around and then do research and just look on the computer and eat bad food it was just 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 absolute perfection Meg you wanted to add something yeah I just wanted to throw one of my favorite favorite lines um is actually between Dean and Crowley in the bar when Dean's like shower sex is complicated And he like lists all these, and I can't I can't even remember the whole line off the top of my head. But I just remembered Dean talking about how shower sex was complicated, and I was like, I don't know why. That's hilarious. Like, I think Crowley said hell's complicated or something like that, or something's complicated. And Dean lists all these other things, and it was amazing. And that's all. Yeah, yeah. No, I I agree. I agree. Okay, well, we're going to wrap up part one of Jeremy Carver, and um, we'll be back tomorrow with part two, and the same panel will be on. So Jill, Judy, Meg, and Paula will be returning. Um, unlike Kripke, I am going to go around and do a closeout because it felt weird not doing that. So if you want to be found, you can say where to be found, and if you want to plug anything, feel free to do so, Jill. Um, I am on Twitter at ZBear2011. Um, you can follow me there. There's no reason for you to. I, <laughs> I, I barely use it. <laughs> uh, but you're more than welcome to. Um, if you want to send me a message and tell me how awesome I am, go for it. Um, always accept that. But um, yeah, really, I mean, there's no reason to waste your time there, really, unless you want to tell me I'm awesome. That's, that's, that's awesome. Uh, <laughs> Judy. Love it. <laughs> um, yep, I'm on um, Tumblr as Angels Watching Over, all one word. And also on um, AO3, same, Angels Watching Over, all one word. 
Wonderful. Thanks. And Paul, I'm sorry, Meg. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Uh, yeah, so you can you can find my personal Twitter if you want to see me be trash. Um, <laughs> is at Wisconsinac, W-I-S-C-O-N-S-E-N-N-A-C-H. Um, however, if you want to check out mine and Carla's podcast that we have been doing for the past month or so, um, it's called Bed, Wet, or Behead. And our Twitter handle is Bed, Wed, Behead Pod. We are all over, we're on social, all the social medias, um, in some iteration of Bed, Wed, Behead Pod. Uh, our podcast is basically, we invade multiple fandoms. We pick three characters and then we play fuck, Mary kill with them. Um, and they're always surprising episodes. <laughs> um, we people, Aaron always gets mad at us. <laughs> Aaron always gets very annoyed with our choices. Um, and you're not the only one, Aaron. We've had, we've been yelled at before, both on the show and on Twitter because of it. Um, but it's a it's it's a lot of fun. It's they're little like twenty to forty minute episodes. Somehow Carl and I managed to keep it down to under an hour, which is amazing and baffling to me. Um, but yeah, it's I don't know. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot different than than fandom thing because we're usually drunk by the end of the episode, <laughs> and we're much less organized than Aaron is. But we have a lot of fun. So yeah, you can find us again at Bed Wed Behead Pod. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a really good podcast. And yes, I've been furious with them before. <laughs> All in fun. I did even mention that on our I don't know if you've listened to our Sarah Gamble episode, but <laughs> I, I haven't listened to it yet. I, I just because I'm not driving anywhere, I don't I don't get to listen to podcasts as much. But I remember being really glad that we had you as a guest before releasing <laughs> um, our team free will episode. Cause I was like, I don't know. I was like, I was like, we have to have all of our friends from supernatural come on the show before any of the supernatural episodes air. Cause they're going to get mad. I'm still really mad about it. So <laughs> I have still not gotten over uh, the team free will episode. But I was I was logic bombed and I couldn't I couldn't get away from it. Um, but yeah, so I'll shut up now. <laughs> yeah, I still have a hard it. decision on bedwetting and beheading team free will. Oh, my God. It was really hard. It sucked. I hated it so much. <laughs> um, but it was and I and I. Poor Carla. I hearken back to it every, almost every single episode where when she tries to get me to do something I don't want to do. And I was like, no, you made me do this. <laughs> like, I'd be having him like it or not. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah. It's something I will never forgive them for, but. <laughs> um, and Paula, do you want to still remain anonymous? Yeah, for now. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Okay, wonderful. Well, this is Erin. You can follow me on Twitter at EAprilBeauty. The E and the A and the B are capitalized. Be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod. On Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one. On Instagram at it's a fandom thing pod. 
if you have any feedback, show notes, if there's anything that you want to get to us really quickly that you want us to try and cover on one of our Supernatural episodes, feel free to reach out to us via social media or email at itsafandomthingpod at gmail.com. And since Judy did it, <laughs> I'm going to follow her lead again and again give you my AO3 handle, which, you know, like I said, I mainly write in Dean's voice from Dean's point of view. Um, but it is C Avery one. That's S E A A V E R Y and the number one. <laughs> so until next time, remember it's a fandom thing and black lives matter. We are continuing our epic supernatural celebration with a discussion of the Jeremy Carver error, era, not error. <laughs> wow. Ding, 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 ding. No, that's the next showrunner. I like Jeremy Carver. I literally. That's the next showrunner. Oh, wow. cannot say fuck you dab hard enough step into the world of power loyalty and luck i'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for Season 9. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today.